From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, October 13th. Hi, my name is Anthony Charles. Um, my three hey, Moab. Uh, my name is Josie Kovash. I'm running for city council. My name council. is Mike McCurdy. Uh, uh, my main reasons for running are... My name is Jason uh, Taylor. And, um, Hi, my name is Luke Wojciechowski, I'm and I'm running city. for city council. All five candidates running for two open seats on the Moab City Council participated in Monday's Candidate Roundtable, hosted by KZMU and sponsored by the Grand County League of Women Voters. This live radio event was an opportunity for them to answer questions on local issues and let the community know their vision for Moab. The six candidates running to be the next mayor of Moab also participated. I am Sherry, your first choice mayor hopeful, Sherry Castell. My name is Aaron Davies, uh, running for mayor. My name is Kent Grant. Um, help to I'm running for mayor. I'm Joette Langanese, and I'm running because I know that our Hi, my name is Stephen Starks, a candidate for mayor. My name is Bill Winfield. I on Thank roughly you for inviting me. I'm a local These candidates fielded a number of questions on topics like morale at City Hall, the housing crisis, property taxes, the police department, and much, much more. You can find a recording of the Candidate Roundtable on the KZMU News podcast and at kzmu.org. Ballots are in the mail this week to all registered Moab City voters. This year, voters will be ranking candidates in their order of preference. That's because Moab City is participating in a ranked choice voting pilot program. City staff says there will be information about ranked choice voting bundled with the ballots this year. But if you want to look over that information and see a sample ballot now, head to moabcity.org and click on the Elections tab. Moab City residents can register to vote in this election online at voter.utah.gov until October 22nd. Past this deadline, newly registered voters can vote by provisional ballot. The staff at the city recorder's office says they are ready and willing to answer any questions about this year's municipal election. Find their contact information in the show notes of today's news. There's an organization that recruits citizen scientists to put their outdoor skills to work. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom met with one volunteer visiting rivers around our area for the sake of science. I'm standing on the shore of the Green River. The water looks extra muddy after yesterday's storm. And Sean Chopsa is ankle deep in it, reading off data from his probe. Uh, pH is 8.5. Conductivity is 728. Uh, total dissolved solids is 517. Other than these readings, he'll take pictures to note any bank erosion or invasive plants. But so far, everything looks pretty good. We're not doing grab samples today, so it's hard to say if there's anything else in the water that might have washed in with all of the the mud. I'd say the dissolved solids and salinity are a lot higher than we usually see, but everything else is relatively normal. We actually sampled the price earlier today, and that was that's actually where quite a bit of this really silty stuff is coming from. Tropsa works in search and rescue in Salt Lake City, but he's at Swayze's Beach today with adventure scientists. They call themselves the Special Ops of Conservation. The organization recruits and trains volunteers with outdoor skills to moonlight as scientists. This particular site is mainly requested by the BLM for major, mainly two reasons. 
Uh, one, we have a, a relatively popular campground right upstream of here. Uh, so they're looking to make sure that, you know, humans aren't having a, an oversized impact on the river here. Also upstream of here, you can think there's a lot of oil and gas and cow grazing. River runners have looked for microplastics, climbers have sampled glaciers, and bicyclists have researched roadkill. Tropsa has worked as far away as Alaska. You know, a lot of times I go to these places that are relatively remote, and surely someone must want some data about wherever it is that I'm going. Because, you know, sometimes we'll pack in 20, 30, 40 miles, just be way out in the middle of nowhere. Surely there's, there's some reason, besides us just wanting to go there, that we should be there. Turns out he's right. You can learn more about the organization or sign up to be an adventure scientist yourself at their website, adventurescientists.org. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. Much of the conversation about water in the West is concerned with human use, but it's also an important part of wildlife habitat. Work is underway across our region to make sure birds, insects, mammals, and plants all have thriving places to live near bodies of water. Laura Palmasano from KVNF reports on wetland habitat restoration in the Gunnison Valley in western Colorado. So on the drive-in, you probably noticed that we're basically in a high-elevation desert out here in the sagebrush ecosystem. That's wildlife conservation biologist Nathan Seward, who works for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. On this warm August morning, he's talking to a small group of volunteers. They're here to help with a wet meadow restoration project taking place on public land 20 miles outside of Gunnison. A wet meadow is a riparian area in the arid sagebrush landscape. Always joke around that I should have majored in basket weaving instead of wildlife management because that's definitely a skill we're going to be using today. Volunteers like Peyton Manis weave willow branches into protective barriers. The team also builds with sagebrush and stones collected nearby. I think it's really cool how we're doing it here. It's super low tech, which means that basically anyone can come in and do it. You don't need a lot of training. Volunteers hammer wood posts and use rocks to build simple structures and artificial beaver dams along sections of the creek. These structures slow the water down and spread it out. Max Sawyer says a narrow stream creates a very small strip of habitat going through the valley bottom. By putting these structures in and spreading the water out, we can go from 3 feet of habitat to 10 feet to 20 feet to maybe even 100 feet of habitat. Sawyer is a master's student in environmental management at Western Colorado University. The goal of this restoration project is to get this stream to re-wet more of the valley bottom again, spread it out, move it to the edges of our meadow, reduce some of our upland species that have come down, some of that sagebrush, get it out of the valley bottom, get more of those riparian species in here. Wet meadows and riparian areas in sagebrush country only account for about 2% of the landscape. Trouble for these systems started when white settlers came out west. Instead of taking their wagons through the sagebrush, where it was rocky and rough, they'd follow the edges of the meadows. Conservation biologist Nathan Seward says the wagon wheels created trenches that were reinforced by livestock trailing between water sources and eventually off-road vehicles using the same paths. These trenches caused water to pool. And so when water gets captured in those trails, it speeds up and it becomes more erosive. And it starts to downcut. It starts actually washing away the topsoil and working its way until it finally hits the bedrock. Max Sawyer says these impacts are being sped up by climate change. So we're trying to prevent these systems from disappearing entirely from our landscape. 
wet meadows provide critical habitat for deer, elk, migratory birds, pollinators, livestock, and the federally threatened Gunnison sage-grouse. They also act as natural sponges, holding water in the soil and slowly releasing it over time. Seward says that is only getting more important as climate change makes the area drier. Everyone knows that water in the West is life. I mean, all life needs water. So by holding more water here in the Gunnison Basin longer and putting it to good beneficial use for wildlife, for our agricultural industries like ranching as well, you know, really everyone benefits from this kind of work. Project organizers say the restoration is working in the Gunnison Basin. Overall, they've seen wetland vegetation double in treated areas since the program started in 2012. This is just one of dozens of watershed restoration projects in Colorado and states across the West. I'm Laura Palmisano in Gunnison. This story is part of ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by KVNF, distributed by KUNC, and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, October 13th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.